Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm still in St. Louis. I'm your host, Manuel Feit. Here's Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, doing very, very well. Not nearly as exciting as your week has been. I'm actually currently surrounded by dogs, uh, one of which is a very <laughs> temperamental bearded collie. So if anyone here is barking in the background, it's not uh, it's not my haters on Twitter. It's my mother-in-law's dog. So uh, <laughs> just, a, just a warning at the top of the show there. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing very well, mate, very well. And enamored and overwhelmed by the fantastic work you've done this week, uh, covering Leverkusen in St. Louis, speaking to fans, getting some great interviews for the show. And uh, yeah, seems like you've had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think the live room that we did at Schlafli's, the brewery, um, I think I can't stress often enough how great they have been to give us a free room. They gave us a free room to, to do this event. Um, I also want to fly over podcasts in the Bundesliga, the Dortmund podcast that are locally here. I thank them as well for, for hosting this and putting it all together and recording it and uh, being just wonderful people, right? And um, you'd probably notice I'm doing this in a hotel lobby because I'm, I'm actually going to head to, to Austin after we record this to do the, the Stuttgart-Köln game and get more content for the show. Um, and there is an outside chance we might be able to do another podcast in a live room in austin so stay tuned for that um still coming together still a maybe but yeah uh, stefan you have your dogs there i'm in a hotel lobby so uh, i just want to apologize for a little bit of a different sound and but that's just the reality of recording stuff on the road <laughs> yeah i think people appreciate it We're, we certainly don't sit back on the couch all year round one of us is always somewhere on the road but you know that's just the nature of being a, a journalist yeah. in 2022 isn't it Yeah, it is. Um, especially after COVID is over, it's actually nice to be able to be back on the road. We have a ton of topics to discuss. We're going to do this a bit different than this. This usually would be our preview show, right, for a Bundesliga match day. But there is this tournament in the desert, so we're not doing that this week. Um, instead, we're going to go through some transfer stories, and we're going to do all of that after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back. And BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And is your continued source for all sports wagering information. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. That's it, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. 
so yeah, I guess the big one um, to start with, Stefan, uh, Pavard, Benjamin Pavard. He's making a lot of noise, and I think there is a, a lot of unhappiness at, at Bayern Munich at the moment about the noise that he is making. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's safe to say, too, that he's been unhappy. He's been dealing with some uh, mental health issues as well, right? So he had to step back a little bit from the game. I think this is probably... We're probably getting to the point now where we say it's safe to say that there is a separation coming. And I guess the, the big question then with the separation and when it is, once it's concluded is really where he's going. And I think you have some indication of where he might go, um, right? Yeah, there's a big kind of interview he gave this week. I'm not sure who it was with. I should have checked my sources before we came on. But he was basically talking about his friendship with Olivier Giroud. Uh, obviously from the French national team and how Giroud has been talking to him a lot about how much he loves Italian football, how much he loves Italian football fans and how much he's enjoying playing at Milan. Mm. And when the question came up over him maybe moving to Italy, he certainly didn't um, dismiss it. And, you know, I think his reasons were quite sound. He basically suggested, he said, look, I've won everything there is to win in Germany. Uh, You know, I've had a lot of success at Bayern, had success at Stuttgart before that. Uh, obviously he's won the World Cup so you know we're talking about a guy here who's probably at a stage in his career where he's been very reflective over what he has and what he can maybe still experience before he hangs up his boots and that kind of came across to me in the interview that he was saying look I'm kind of thinking almost like the way someone would maybe put their feet up and wonder where they want to go on holiday next year Uh, Mm. you know where can I play next he's been linked a lot with the Premier League and I really must admit, I find that very... Well, not very bizarre, but I find that a little bizarre because, you know, he was heavily linked with moves to Chelsea and I think maybe Man United. You know, both teams were obviously looking for central defenders in the summer and I'm just not quite sure he's still got that in him uh, to be one of these kind of, like, day-in, day-out central defenders. I think, on paper, he can be a very Mm. valuable squad player because he can obviously play a right-back... Uh, he's been saying more and more in recent years he wants to play as a central defender. Whether that's because he's maybe getting a little slower, a little older, uh, or he's just got genuine interest in playing that position, it's up for gra- it's up for debate. But you know, if there's any Chelsea or Man United fans listening to this wondering about the links to you know their clubs, I'd be quite skeptical about him. You know, walking into either club and being a starter, uh, and of course. My United and Chelsea then went out and bought other central defenders in the summer, so I think that's kind of gone, and that maybe explains why these links to Milan have now kind of surfaced, because I think any opportunity of playing in England's maybe dropped off, uh, and yeah, and now something like Milan's come up, and I, and I think it makes a lot of sense, because, you know, as you suggested there, he's, there's, mm. what's the expression, you know, a conscious uncoupling maybe, uh, coming in the summer, in, this, in, yeah. that, in the sense that, you know, he's quite happy to move on, Bayern have kind of moved on as well. They brought in a new fullback who's getting more and more game time on that right side. Uh, central defense. I mean, I think for a while it was kind of up in the air as to who would be Bayern's central defensive pairing going forward after Boateng and Alba moved on. But Hernandez has really nailed down that position uh, more than anyone else, I would say. And of course, Upamecano, who I think is actually quietly having a good season at Bayern. So there's not really any space for him there. Um, so yeah. To cut a long story short, I wouldn't be surprised if he moved on uh, this summer. And a move to Milan probably makes a lot of sense since there's not much space for him uh, at Premier League clubs. But what do you think? 
I actually like the move to Milan for him. Um, I think Serie A is a good place to kind of reset, right? If you are dealing with um, certain issues, um, if you're having had a hard time in Munich, I don't know if the shark tank of the Premier League is necessarily where you want to go next, right? And mm -hmm. listen, if you had troubles with the environment at Bayern and then you end up at... I don't know, Chelsea or Liverpool or Man United. Um, that's not exactly easier. In fact, it might be harder, right? Because Munich, even though it is such a big club, you, you kind of protect it in a lot of ways because of the way the city is set up and the way the city almost protects its players. So Milan is actually in a lot of ways very similar to Munich that way, right? Um, that mm. in, in a lot of ways you, you would be walking in an environment where the club would really take care of you. Milan is an emerging, emerging club as well. Um, you mentioned his relationship with Oliver Giroud, who's having a third or fourth spring now, is it, um, with this club. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Italy is also probably, for, for his playing style, makes a lot of sense as well. And um, yeah. I wish him all the best because I always like Benjamin Pavard. I think he's he's a very talented player. He scores beautiful goals. Um, <laughs> and I think sometimes it's just the best for players to move on, right, to, to reset their careers because he is a great player. I don't, I, I don't want to downplay his talent level at all because he's a wonderful player at times. And um, I do think that for him, it's, it's probably a good time to just reset the career. Um, Definitely, we should probably stay with Bayern Munich and a topic that just doesn't want to go away. Um, Hassan Salihamidzic made no comments comments about Harry Kane yet another time. It's amazing how little they talk about a player while talking about another player that is under contract at another club. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say at this stage that if Harry Kane is available to Bayern Munich, that they will do it, right? Well, that's what you keep telling me. Uh, I can't seem to argue with that. You've been saying it from day one to your credit. You know, you were, you were making this point long before it became like a kind of mainstream transfer saga. And it makes perfect sense in a, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in terms of like picking up a profile of a player, uh, of a number nine, I feel like Bayern could probably go for someone younger. Uh, maybe someone who's obviously gonna, mm. probably going to be a bit cheaper. Uh, but obviously they've kind of already done that in Matthias Tell to, to a large extent um, and you can kind of see with the Sadio Mane signing in the summer that there's also a part of Bayern that kind of wants to just kind of go ahead and buy the proven product, they want someone who's ready to slot in straight away and either help them win the Champions League or help them retain the Champions League um, and that's kind of where Harry Kane's allure comes in because you know, as things currently stand, Nagelsmann doesn't really have an established number nine, unless, of course, mm. Tell nails in a spot, but that's probably quite unlikely. Um, you know, we had Kevin on the show in midweek, and mm. he was kind of talking about how impressed he's been of this strikeless formation, and I kind of agree with him to a large extent. I kind of said at the top of the start of the season that I think the strikeless formation might actually do him quite well in the Champions League. It remains to be seen where they will, but... I can understand why Bayern might get to the end of the season and think, well, you know, that was a fun experiment and, you know, it got us to the semi-finals of the Champions League, we won another Bundesliga, blah, 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 but if we want to kind of make the next step, we probably do need to sign a number nine who can, you know, really, mm. not, really not, not really just plays number nine, but obviously in Harry Kane, he'd be able to bring a guy in who, 
other players can play off of as well. He's a bit more than just a classic number nine. Um, and I think most appealing about that is that they would be able to offer him the opportunity to obviously win titles that, for one reason or another, Tottenham obviously can't do. He's now not going to get that move to Manchester City because they signed Erling Haaland. So mm. it, it kind of strikes me as a kind of situation where it, it, it suits both parties. I mean, it doesn't suit Tottenham Hotspur at all, obviously, but... Um, they may eventually have to resign themselves to eventually losing Harry Kane, and at that point, maybe they'd be happy to. Um, if Antonio Conte sticks around and he decides that he wants money to do a proper rebuild, so maybe moving Harry Kane on for high fees may be the best thing for them as well. But you know, would, would, I, I guess it's just going to kind of come down to what happens in the second half of the season, how Sadio Mane gets on. Uh, and whether Nagelsmann will be knocking on Sajamovic's door come May and April saying, yeah, my conclusion from this season is that we can't really do it without number nine. Hmm. I mean, he's already mentioned that pretty much at the start of the season where he openly spoke about wanting to sign Harry Kane uh, at the at the, the tour in the US, and it's kind of, kind of fizzled along ever since... Um, I think there's there's many reasons for Bayern Munich to do this. Um, obviously because they can, but also because they, they like the profile of the player. Uh, I think when it comes to number nine, I don't think Harry Kane is as good as Robert Lewandowski, but he's probably the closest thing out there to him, right? Mm. And I think the, 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 the impact too, Bayern Munich is the team that sells the most jerseys um, of any team in the world right in terms of merchandise this would give them another another boot um, I think the only reason why you see someone like Cristiano Ronaldo constantly linked to Bayern Munich and make no mistake Mendes probably phones Oliver Kahn every single day and Oliver Kahn probably tells him the same thing every day <laughs> it's like it's not happening we're not signing <laughs> how this did you guy. get his number he, he, <laughs> 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 how did he get this number <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Khan is nice to Mendes because he probably wants to sign other guys from him as well, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but Kane would do a lot of things that Ronaldo would do for this team, only that he's actually still good, right? Um, and that's I think that is something that you can't underestimate. You put Harry Kane in a Bayern Munich shirt; those shirts would sell all over the world. And he would also still offer them a, a significant impact on the field. And I think that is. Bayern Munich will be back in the United States next year. Wouldn't it be great if they could go to a place like Las Vegas or Los Angeles with Harry Kane in the lineup? I think yeah. that is something that you can't underestimate. Right? It's a, it's, a re- it's a really great point because I think maybe 10 or 15 years ago you would have talked about clubs signing Japanese players or uh, Brazilian players or even actually signing American players with the hope of selling shirts from their home nations you know i remember when celtic signed shinsuke mm. nakamura people were going nuts for this kind of like japanese effect you know yeah. and it's understandable but actually now if you look at it in 2022 if the best way to crack the american market if you're but if you're buying munich or maybe not crack it but cement your place there would be to sign a household name from the premier league because we've now got to the point where household names in the premier league are household names in america for a large extent you know so yeah. I mean I was I was listening to an American politics podcast and the other day and they were talking about whether British politics 
copies American politics and the guy was John Stewart actually is a very famous you know American TV presenter in the US and he mm. said we don't want your politics but we'll keep your Premier League you know so it's already kind of it's permeated even that is to that extent of the culture which yep. I'm sure our listeners from America don't need me to tell them about so yeah Harry Kane makes sense commercially as much as it does a sporting uh, reason I mean I'd have my concerns. He does have an injury in him, I must admit. Um, he mm. is getting slower. He's also kind of retreating further and further back to point that he's almost a number 10 himself. So, you know, I'd maybe have those concerns yeah. if I was Bayern Munich. But at the end of the day, he's a really classy player. And he's also potentially a number nine that could play Nagelsmann's system in that sense, uh, where he's not just a kind of bog-standard bog penalty box striker he's a, he's a he's a number nine that could slot in and play the way that mm. Thomas Muller does right now or Jamal Musiala does or something right now and that or Leroy Sani does right now in that kind of number 10 role so yeah it makes a lot of mm. sense commercially and it probably would make perfect sense in a sporting way as well yeah I, I just remember seeing the impact that Sadio Mane had when he arrived in uh, Washington with Bayern Munich you know and that's um, I kind of maybe at the time underestimated that a little bit because thinking in Germany Sadio Mane wasn't their biggest star but I guess because he, he played for Liverpool he did have a huge impact and I, I can just imagine what Kane would do um, but that's a really nice transition here in terms of what will Bayern do with the attack is because one name that's been floating out there is Marcus Turam, right? And we're going to package a bunch of Gladbach game players together but I want to maybe separate Turam from the other two that we'll talk about um, because Turam is a really interesting player. He is with France at the World Cup. France has a lot of issues. Um, you know, we're going to talk about another French player further on in the podcast. Uh, but at the same time, it's still France. It's still one of the best, um, you know, nations at the World Cup. And on paper, uh, probably still the favorite to win it, right? Even though, you know, there is this... this uh, this thing that the World Cup champions never get out of the group stage, but, you know, on paper, they still have a very, very strong side. And Marcus Turam, you know, he is on Bayern Munich's list, but I think he is someone who's on a lot of clubs' list, and probably now at the point, too, where Gladbach will have an almost impossible time to sign him to a new contract when his contract expires at the end of the year. Mm. Oh, if I was a Gladbach fan, I'd be pulling my hair out over this, because you know, this is a yeah. player who's been first excruciatingly, frustratingly inconsistent, uh, I think over his time at Gladbach, mm. he's always been capable of tremendous runs of form, scoring goals, creating goals, uh, on his day one of the best forwards in the Bundesliga but, I mean yeah. you know, whether it's his fault is still up for debate I suppose, because Gladbach have obviously been a very kind of up and down team recently uh, they've lost a lot of head coaches. They've lost their sporting director, who was mm. once considered the one, you know, bedrock of that club. He's moved on. He's now off to Leipzig. So, mm. you could, I get, I'm willing to maybe give Turam an ex- some credit or not some credit, some slack in that regard because he's had to put up with a lot of changes at the club. But I do kind of still feel like uh, we kind of joked about this at the start of the show that, or the start of the season actually, that while well, you know his contracts out. Uh, of con- he's out of contract in the season so he'll play his socks off to get that move and that's kind of what yep. it looks like to an extent and fair play to him he's doing very very well um, however I must admit I do find the links to Bayern Munich a little su- surprising I think well you know I think 
the fact that he's only just been called up to the France squad as a reserve is probably a good example of maybe where he is. You know, obviously France have mm. some of the best strikers in the world, so it's by no means a, a you know a slight on him that he only just made into the into the team after Nkunku was called off with injury, but. I think that's probably where he is as a player. He's not a top-tier striker. I think uh, in the grand scheme of European football, call him like a second-tier striker. Not that he's, a, not that he's good for second-tier divisions. Mm-hmm. I just mean he's not good enough for top-tier club, perhaps. So, you know, um, I'd be a bit wary if Bayern would sign him as with the, any intention of playing him as a starter. I don't think they would, to be honest. I think if they did pick him up, uh, he'd no. be a player that they would maybe sign as a, you know, as a backup or a bench player Chupa Moting Mark II sort of thing which I'm not entirely sure if he'd be willing to yeah. play as that I think he's probably actually far better suited to the Premier League to be honest with you he's very physical he's very good in the ball very good off the ball as well he's just such a useful player as well he actually reminds me a little bit of Benzema the way he now plays um, in the sense mm. that he's just kind of smart and very good at players playing off him so I think he'd be perfectly good in the in the Premier League but unfortunately I've got very little um very little suggest that he would stick around the Gladbach unless we had another mm. similar situation to the summer there where I think the club and the player were maybe sitting around waiting for a big offer to come in and it never really did um, maybe some interest from yep. Italy I'm not so sure but it just depends who wants it at the end of the day I suppose but if he continues scoring goals like he is for Gladbach then I don't think he'll struggle to find suitors uh, but yeah it'd be interesting to see where he goes one club who could use him uh, is Borussia Dortmund I think but who I think have been linked mm. with another player we're about to be mentioned, which I'm not entirely sure that's a good move, but Turan would be a smart sign for them, I think. Well, Dortmund likes to sign uh, players from other clubs in the Bundesliga more than anyone else does, uh, and then blame Bayern Munich for doing the same thing. Um, I, I made this really tongue-in-cheek kind of tweet, although I think there's more truth to it than a lot of Dortmund fans probably like, that... The Borussia Dortmund buys all the best players from the other Bundesliga teams and makes them worse. Because, um, <laughs> like, you're right. I mean, this has Borussia Dortmund written all over it. And you just know that once Turam signs a big deal. Because I remember when Kevin Hutchard, um tweeted that Turam has been in excellent form recently. And I just subtweeted said contract year tongue in cheek again, right? Uh, you get that all the time. He's one of those players who performs when, you know, someone is waving your checkbook um, that sounds harsh but I actually I think it has some truth to it in terms of destinations you know and we're going to talk about Leipzig at the show as well quite a bit but I think that kind of could be a good fit for him um, if Nkunku does go I could see Leipzig say look we could replace one French national team player with another there is a strong French contingent at Leipzig they have a this strong tradition with, with, with French based players right you wouldn't have to necessarily get him used to the environment that he's playing at so it would be a really easy transition for him of course this is just me speculating i have no idea if leipzig are really in for marcus turam but i just that's just something that comes to my head um but yeah you, you mentioned right back left back uh those two players could also leave gladbach benzabaini right and joe scali a lot of american listeners are probably gonna uh get the interest peaked the moment we're mentioning this. Um, I want to start maybe with Benzabaini first because here's another guy that's been internally, eternally linked to Borussia Dortmund. And that's just a rumor that just doesn't want to go away. Um, I mean, they do need a right back, but I'm not sure Benzabaini is it, is it for Dortmund. I just, 
don't know if I see the... I see this is the kind of guy that they bring in. Everyone hypes it up. Everyone is happy that Dortmund yet again signed a great player from the Bundesliga. And then he's just going to get worse. It feels like Schultz 2.0. Yeah, absolutely. I think Stefan Buschko kind of tweeted about it at the time. Um, you know, he was kind of shown his disdain for the move. Or not even disdain, just kind of eye roll. Uh, Stefan Buschko, very good uh, <laughs> big Borussia Dortmund fan and blogger and writer and podcaster uh, and I kind of tweeted mm. back a sort of meme being like Borussia Dortmund wondering why they never move forward but they also in the same breath just love to sign average players from clubs like Gladbach and I think he's a perfect mm. example of that you know I think he's a decent player for Gladbach sometimes he's a great player for Gladbach uh, which he showed recently against Dortmund if I'm not mistaken uh, but mm-hmm. He's, he's not going to move the needle for Dortmund at all. Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. I think he's probably, he'd be a perfect example of the kind of systematic problem with Glad, with Dortmund's uh, transfer policy where they spend a huge amount of time and resources kind of snapping up these kids of tomorrow or these stars of tomorrow and then they think they can fill in the cracks with these very average players in the Bundesliga and then yeah. they're kind of left scratching their heads why Thomas Munier and Nico, Nico Schultz can't put up with Bayern Munich or why they seem to falter in the Champions League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think, I think we had one of our subscribers ask if we're, you know, if Gladbach fans should be worried that he'd move on. Maybe, you know, like we said, it'd be very typical yeah. of Dortmund to sign him, but I think it'd be a terrible move. Joe Scali, on the other hand, would probably be a smart move. I don't think he's been moved to Dortmund just yet. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it's Chelsea and Man United, but yeah, I'll let you jump in on that one because obviously you're the US men national team expert here. I, if I was Joe Scalia, I would stay far away from Man United <laughs> and Spurs. Um, I think that move comes way too soon. I know in the United States, every player moved to the Premier League is celebrated. Like They almost want to throw a New York-style parade every time it happens. And then I'm always kind of sitting there and it's like, he's gone to Leeds. <laughs> like, let's chill here, right? I mean... Tyler Adams and Brandon Aronson, when they went to Leeds, I'm like, this is the equivalent of someone going to Augsburg or Bochum or, you know what I mean? This is a relegation candidate in the Premier League. And yes, only because it's on NBC doesn't mean these teams are far better. In fact, they're they're about the same level. Uh, I get it. You get to watch it more regularly on what you conceive to be the big stage. But honestly, if Joe Scully goes to the Premier League, that is probably where he's going to end up because even if Man United or Spurs buy him what are they going to do they're probably going to have him in there with a bunch of other players like him and then eventually loan him out and then you're in the lower reaches of the Premier League Um, if he really wants to make a step up yeah you're right maybe a move like Borussia Dortmund would be a good idea right he can team up with his teammate Gio Reyna He, he would walk into an environment that he knows um, I mean, the other thing is, too, in, in Farke, he has a head coach who can actually teach him things like tactics and his playing style. And um, I think there's there's a lot of good arguments to be made to stay away from the Premier League for now, um, unless you become really good, right? You become in the level where you can walk into a side like Man United um, or maybe make an internal move within Germany. I think that would be also something that, that could help you. I mean, I've spoken to Joe Scully in the past. Um, I know this is a personality that's quite clear about what he wants. Very outspoken too. Like when he when he wasn't called up by the U.S. men's national team, 
he would actually go and say in an interview that really be outspoken about it. It probably hurt him in the short term, but heavily helped him in the long term. And, and we want to have people that have that say what they think, right? I mean, we don't mm-hmm. get that often enough in football. And I actually think that's a really positive trait when it comes to Joe Scully because here's a guy that has a really clear vision of where he is in the place he is in. And when he played well for Gladbach and he wasn't called up for the for the U.S. men's national team, made a really good point about not understanding why he wasn't called up. And also pointing out that there wasn't good communication with the U.S. men's national team. So I think this is a player who's give him some time, right? He's obviously really talented. He's playing in a, a position that is in high demand. And um, yeah, that's my short uh, assessment of the Joe Scully situation. I mean, what do you think? I mean, any move like Man United or Spurs would probably come so soon for him, right? Yeah, I mean, possibly Spurs, just because maybe they need a bit of help in that position. But yeah, I, I think I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think it, I think he's performing perfectly well at Gladbach. He's really nailed down that right back position last season. He's held on to it this year. I know Gladbach are a bit hit and miss this season, but I completely agree with you in the sense that uh, Daniel Falk, they've got a head coach who I think is quite a good, astute tactical head coach. Uh, and I think in time, uh, they'll start ticking upwards. So I think the best thing for him to do is to sit tight, continue performing well for Gladbach, mm. and then just kind of assess his options. There's no rush. Uh, and you know he's in a position as well that's actually very valuable because you don't come across good right backs all that often. Because uh, I remember last season trying to yep. put together my team of the season, and he just naturally popped up as a right back option because there just aren't that many good right backs mm. these days. So you know he yep. just kind of has to stay calm, crack on with what he's doing at Gladbach, and then I guess we'll see if Spurs or Man United are serious about him. But I think for now, uh, I think he's fine in the Bundesliga. Yeah, also, I just realized I flipped Ben Zabaini and Scully's positions. It's, of course, the other way around, left back and right back. Um, and you're right, right backs are actually a bit more important these days because they're harder to find than left backs. Um, get that out of the way. So the big one, and that, that was actually a really big story, and I was in the uh, Leverkusen Hotel when, when the story broke that Nkunku was going to miss the World Cup and I saw a bunch of Leverkusen comms people running around like headless chicken trying to find Musa Diaby because there was obviously hope that he would get that spot, right? And I think there was a chance. I think Diaby and Kolomuani were both on, on the list uh, as possible replacements. I think in the end of the day, I think it's it's quite fair that Kolomuani got, got the, the call up because he's been incredible for Frankfurt. And, and Diaby has been really kind of hot and cold. And it's not exactly the same kind of player, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Here we are, but Nkunku, I think there is this. The, the, these links to Chelsea are so strong, and the, mm-hmm. this the story that he had a medical in August, right? I think outside of Frankfurt, um, that there is a deal in place um, with Chelsea to sign him um, for I think 60 million euros. Um, this is a rumor just that that doesn't want to go away, and I think. Um, we were kind of talking off air. Is this going to hurt this move? And I, I think both of us agreed it doesn't really because while it keeps him out of the World Cup, I think the downtime is considered to be six to eight weeks. So by the time the Bundesliga comes back, he'll be playing, right? Um, I guess the bigger question is really, is he going to Chelsea or not in January? I personally think not because Leipzig are still in 
in the Champions League. They they are making a push, and they could actually, when the dust settles, be the team that will challenge Bayern Munich for the title. And I so I just can't see it happening in January. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I kind of agree with you, to be honest with you, in that regard. If you were to look at how things are at Leipzig right now, it's a very different environment to what it was you know, at the start of the season when these kind of rumours and stories yeah. began to surface. Um, you know, Marco Rosas came in there and he's really managed to turn things around very quickly. Um, quite spectacularly too. You know, they've managed to crawl back up to the top four before this first half of the season finished. They were able to get out of their Champions League group quite spectacularly. You know, I was at that game against Real Madrid and yeah. it felt like a cup final, to be honest with you. And I fe- it felt like a game in which Nkunku himself not really announced himself to European football because we all know who he is and what he can do, but it was a night in which he was having a lot of fun saying, look, I can kind of dance in between the best defenders in the world and still do what I can do. So you could see he was having a lot of fun with it. And there's no real inclination that, you know, he's going from week to week, just kind of passing time and hoping that, you know, he can move club at the first available opportunity. Mm. Obviously, he signed a new contract. Uh, I think it was this summer. It was maybe last summer. I think it was this summer. Guardiola did This say. summer, yeah. 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 Um, my understanding is that both players have contracts that, um, you know, although they have no official release clause, basically have a gentleman's mm. agreement, which allows the club to sell them for the right fee. Basically, these contracts were extended so the club could say they could keep these, they could keep the player value high. So when a Chelsea comes along, Leipzig are allowed to say, well, he's got X amount of years in his contract, so you have to pay up for him. So that was understanding between the player and the club, which I think probably suggests that a deal will get done at some point. Um, I guess we just have to have to wait and see what will happen in January. But the funny thing is that since this, not only has things changed at Leipzig, but things have also changed at Chelsea as well. Thomas Tuchel has moved mm. on. Graham Potter's come in and, you know, I think he's a very good head coach, but he's kind of had, he's struggled to the extent that anyone considering a move to Chelsea in January is probably thinking, well, I'm moving in the middle of a very tricky transition season. Uh, You know, Chelsea aren't going to be challenging for the Champions League. They're not going to be challenging for the Premier League. Um, So, you know, if 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 you are Christopher Nkunku, you may be wondering, well, what am I? What exactly am I stepping into here? And it's not exactly. It's not as if Chelsea are kind of struggling for wide players and and forward players as well. So he might not exactly even begin mm. getting a starting role to a large extent. Although I'd be quite surprised if he didn't. Um, but yeah, so I think I can understand why the kind of pushes by Chelsea themselves may push to get the deal over the line in January. Uh, and of course. It's also worth bearing in mind that Leipzig already have a ready-made replacement in Timo Werner, who they signed uh, from mm. Chelsea, obviously. Um, and I remember at the time we talked about this, I was just a bit, just entirely baffled why Chelsea, when they were selling Timo Werner, didn't say, right, well, while we're here, why don't you give us Nkunku and we can come to some sort of agreement? Uh, but, you know, I guess the, 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 the intricacies and mysteries of Chelsea's transfer strategy is a discussion for another day. Um, but yeah, so I guess on paper it certainly could happen. But if you actually look at the sporting reason, how how both clubs are kind of lining up right now, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kunku, who has always struck me as a very kind of level-headed guy at Leipzig, um, yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if he turned around and said, "Yeah, do you know what? I want to jump ship in the middle of a good season to jump into this kind of Chelsea circus," which it is at the moment, unfortunately. 
I think it's also worth bearing in mind what's going on at Leipzig at the moment, right? Um, the owner, uh, Mateschitz, has died. Um, I guess, was that last month? It's not long ago. Um, and the club, because of that, is also in in a little bit, going into a little bit of a different place, right? Minzlaff, the long-standing CEO of Leipzig, is now moved up into a um, director role at Red Bull, the actual mm -hmm. company, right? Um, there is, Max Ebel is going to therefore take a very big role um, at RB Leipzig. Um, I think with Minzlaff going and taking a, a leadership role at the Red Bull company, There could be that that could give you an indication that Red Bull is also going to maybe do things just a slightly a little bit different. I think for Leipzig that's actually a bonus having one of their guys now give in charge of giving the money or not, right? Mm. And I think that's that's a really interesting point. I'm not saying that makes a deal more likely or less likely, but I want to point out that things have changed, right? Mm. The the decision making structure at Leipzig has changed from what it was like in August. Um, you have a different team now in place. You have a different head coach in place. You have a different sporting director in place. And I think Abel is now actually becoming not just sporting director, but director of sports. So he will sit on the board. And mm. I, I just wonder what is that going to do to things that have been maybe gentleman, even if, if it's just a gentleman agreement, if it's not written on paper and in, in ink, what is that going to do um, to decisions that were made under the old leadership, right? And I think that's really mm. worth bearing in mind that things have really changed at Leipzig and it's still going to be interesting to see how it's actually going to progress, especially in the next two months, right, during the World Cup. I think that when Ebal finally is in charge officially and I think they're moving that date forward, you're going to see a lot of interesting things coming out of there. Yeah, only thing I'd also add to this, which is maybe push back on the idea that he might stick around, is that Obviously, Leipzig are signing Benjamin Sesko next summer, who you yep. know is a, is a is a central forward. But it's also worth bearing in mind for people who maybe don't follow the Bundesliga all that well. Like, um, Nkunku has kind of developed into a central forward to a large extent. You mm. know, he's not he's not a classic number nine. He's not a target man, but he essentially plays off of Andre Silva in a midfield too. Um, mm. And, you know, that's something that Timo Werner can do very well. I mentioned a moment ago, that's why he could kind of slot into that position maybe. But Benjamin Sesko rocks up and they've already got yep. Timo Werner and Andre Silva there. Then you can understand why Leipzig would say, well, if we lose Christopher Nkunku in the summer, it's not the end of the world. You know, obviously mm -hmm. he's a great player, arguably the best player in the Bundesliga right now, maybe, in my opinion. Um, and undoubtedly a very sellable asset, even if he is set to now miss the World Cup. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he then bounces back in the second half of the season and does very well. Um, alongside Timo Werner, who's also missed the World Cup. So, yeah, if you're an RB Leipzig fan, you can maybe quietly be crossing your fingers and, you know, counting your good fortune there. But, yeah, so, you know, I think, in a large extent, I think, I think you know, as we've talked about before in this pod before, Leipzig yeah. are so good at this. They're always thinking two or three steps ahead. And when it comes to Nkunku, they've already got one replacement. They've arguably got a second one coming in the summer. Uh, that squad will be fully prepared to move him on in the summer. It just depends to see where Chelsea can convince him to sell him six months mm. earlier. Yeah, I think that's really what it comes down to in the end, right? That's the, the one part that I'm kind of wondering if there was agreements for January, um, if they're going to push back on that because of what's happened at Leipzig. Um, 
It's an interesting one. I think it's also probably one that we're going to keep on discussing on this show during the World Cup. Um, I mean, this is the new format that you're going to see now. Uh, we're going to obviously also react to the, the Germany games. Um, they had some friendly in Muscat that didn't go so well. Don't pay attention to pre-World Cup games. They mean nothing. Um, but yeah, I guess that wraps up this segment of the first Transfer Insider Gegenpressing podcast that we're going to roll out until the season comes back. Uh, anything that you want to add, Stefan? Uh, not really. If you guys enjoy these shows, do let us know. Uh, I give a, I'd like to give a shout-out to our subscribers who suggested some topics for mm. this podcast on the Substack chat app, uh, which I think, unfortunately, you can only get if you have an iPhone. But we've been using that. I've been particularly using that since I've, I'm taking a Twitter hiatus during the World Cup, so it's been great to still be able to chat to our listeners and subscribers yep. through that. Uh, and if you have a cool name for this version of the pod of this show, let us know because I'm honestly lost for words as to what to call it. So if you have a cool name for the show, uh, just DM one of us or something, and we'll, uh, we'll 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 try and use it if it's better than anything we can come up with. Yeah, that's a, that's a good shout out. And um, I also want to say that if the Bluebird app is finally killed by Elon. Um, come and subscribe to the Substack because we'll be both there and we actually, res I mean, I'm like you, I'm going to reduce the interactions on Twitter. I'm going to post the news and the, the, the pictures of the things that I do and that'll probably be it for a while. Um, so if you want to actually interact, find us on the Substack. Uh, we're happy to chat there. Um, also because it's a lot less toxic than the Bluebird app. Um, it's just a very nice environment. But yes, this show is brought to you by Bet Online. We'll be back next week with another show. We will have the uh, live show that we did in St. Louis also live up on the channel. So if you want to listen back to that and some of the things that we talked about, Leverkusen, there's also some stuff on Callum Hudson-Modoy on there, which we didn't mention today. Um, so I mentioned and talk about him as well on that show. So yeah, give that a listen as well. And until next time, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 